0: Hi there, my name is Dean Wixon. I'm a 29-year-old football coach from the UK. I currently live and work in Melbourne, Australia. I've started the Sport, Mental Health and It's All COVID-19's Fault podcast to address the links between mental health and sport. As an active team sport player, coach and viewer, I, like many others, have felt the impacts of COVID-19 on sport. With a constant struggle with depression, being deprived of sport has proved to be another obstacle in life. Due to the ongoing situation with COVID-19, I decided it would be a great opportunity to sit down and hear from a wide range of athletes across different levels of competition about their experiences of sport, mental health and COVID-19. Hi there and welcome back to Sport, Mental Health and It's All COVID-19's Fault. I hope everyone is keeping well in the current situation and staying positive. Hopefully we can brighten your mood today with our incredible guest a current professional footballer who has won the English FA Cup, 14 caps for England, scoring five goals, played across the globe in five countries. She's back in Liverpool now after her fifth successful season with Melbourne Victory. Please welcome Natasha Dowie. So, Natasha, great to have you in on the phone all the way from Liverpool.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: No problem. It's great to get you on. Um, as I said, I said in the intro, like you've played in the UK, USA. Randomly to me, it looks like got up to Norway and Sweden and then come over to Australia. Like that's a pretty eclectic mix of t- countries.
1: Yeah, no, sometimes you have to pinch yourself. Um, you know, I've been really fortunate to be able to play in five different countries, like you said. Um, I played in England till I was about 25 and then had the opportunity to go and play in America, which, you know, is every player's dream, really the biggest league in the world. Yep. Um, went and played the Boston Breakers for two seasons, which was great. Um, and then also, yeah, like you said, Australia came along and this is my fifth season now with Melbourne Victory. And it's been the most incredible place to play at. You know, Melbourne's become my second home and the club as well is just incredible. And in between those periods, to try and work with the W League, because not many leagues actually fit in with the W League schedule. um, I started actually playing in the Scandinavian League. So I went to Linköping in Sweden, which was a brilliant season there. Got to play in the Champions League again against Man City in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. And then last year, Mm I had a season in Valorenga in Oslo, which was a beautiful city as well. And the team did really well. We finished second in the league, uh, made Champions League for the first time in the club's history, made the cup final. uh, I ended up um, getting top goal scorer there. So it's been a really, really fun, you know, career so far um, and hopefully many more years to come as well.
0: I was going to say, you're 31 now. You're going to still carry on, surely?
1: Yep, 100%. I want to play as long (laughs) as I possibly can. You know, I don't want to be one of these players that plays you know, and isn't performing well. But right now I feel fitter than ever. Um, I feel in the best form I've ever been in. You know, I've had a really good season just now in the W League, getting the golden boot um, and cross fingers touch wood. Um, haven't really ever missed a game in my career through injury. So um, the body's feeling good and I definitely think I've got a good five or six years left in me, hopefully more.
0: Yeah, perfect. Well, I came and watched a couple of your W League games this year and you were you, you were doing pretty well there, mate. You didn't look like you were anywhere near finished. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so obviously, the podcast we we started it. We want to look at how different people from different sports and levels deal with the mental health side of the game, and and obviously not just people with mental health problems, but everyone has ups and downs in what they do, and sport is is basically full of ups and downs. Isn't yeah, it? definitely. <laughs> so like. With, with obviously the female football game has, has become a long way in terms of professionalism in the last, say, five to 10 years, especially. Um, have you found that clubs deal with the mental side of the game differently?
1: That's a really good question. Um, you know, the teams that I've been involved in have always given players support um, on the mental side of things if they need it. Um, It's not like you actually have someone in the club, but if you ever need that help or support, there is always someone through the PFA available. Um, So I think for me, I'm sure there are players out there, you know, sport is, is highs and lows constantly, you know, you one week can be on a high, you can win and feel on top of the world. And then, you know, the week after you can lose and, you know, if you're playing at the top level or really any level, you know, you play sport to win, you know, that's why, why you're in it. So losing always hurts and you have so many ups and downs. You know, I've been really fortunate to not have too many injuries that have kept me out of the game, but there's been lots of knockbacks with not getting selected. And I think for me, the big thing that I've always been very fortunate with is having that support and family support and close circle around me, because I think if you're in it on your own, it's a very lonely place. And, I think the higher you get in sport um and in the game you know your life becomes it is a bit of a routine it's a schedule you know you like to to do the same things every day um yeah. you know you get up you know you you eat properly you do your recovery I mean, it's it's pretty standard every day and don't get me wrong it's an incredible life but if you're yeah, there's
0: worse
1: yeah if you're doing <laughs> if you're doing it all on your own and having to deal with the lows on your own um it it's definitely tough so I think the way that I've always dealt with the knockbacks or the low times is to just make sure I have those one or two people that I can, you know, I can have a cry, you know, I can, you know, they're there to support me. And I think I've been really fortunate that my partner, uh, Becky, she played with me at Everton and at Liverpool and she's played for England over 50 times. So she's been at the top of the game. And I think she's the perfect person for me to obviously, go-to because she knows exactly you know how it feels and she's had plenty of knockbacks as well so she definitely keeps me very grounded and the older I've got I've actually tried to realize that it is just a game of football you know there are especially now for instance with this coronavirus you know you need to look at the bigger picture and there's crazier things happening in the world and at the time yes losing feels like the end of the world but you also need to realize that you know, you're fortunate to play this game. And so just to enjoy the highs as much as you can and then try to deal with the lows as best as you can as well. Now Master Antonio. Natasha Dowell! The cup final win the victory! She got the Sydney defence on the hook and
0: she made no mistake with the finish. You touched on it there about the disappointment of Sort of the highs and lows of the game, and, and obviously, like I hate bring, although I didn't want to bring it up with you, yes. but I, I had to because I think you're going to give me and or me and the people listening a great insight. Um, obviously, the 2015 World Cup squad, so five years ago now, you'd have been 26 in your prime, and I think it was was it Mark Sampson the coach at that point?
1: Yes, yeah,
0: yeah. Mark Sampson was coaching the England squad, and obviously. It was a bit of a shock that you didn't get into it, in my opinion. Anyway, like I'm not just saying that because you're here. Like you'd, you'd scored goals. Like how did you, how did you feel when that, when you got the how did you get that news and and how did you feel when it came through?
1: Yeah, I think England's always been a tough one for me. You know, it was an incredible. You know, for me, playing for your country is definitely the pinnacle, and. I'm very, very lucky that I've been able to represent my country and it's something I'm really proud of. Um, I never really kind of got a look in when Hope Power was around and when Mark Sampson took over, I was a bit more involved, which was great, you know. Um, Got a little bit of game time. He actually awarded me and I got a central contract, which only 20 players get. So... It definitely looked more positive as really? if I was um, yeah, getting more of a look in with England. And yeah, had a good year, got player of the year and got the golden boot as well for Liverpool. And we won the league. So everything kind of looked like it was going well. And yeah, to to miss out and to be on standby for the World Cup, it, it was a shock. Um, I think I probably handled it better than most because I think for me, because <laughs> I've never been a regular England player and I've never really you know, stamped, I guess, a place in the squads consistently like other players. It was more a case of it didn't come as a surprise because, you know, I hadn't really been involved before. So even though on form and in paper, I probably should have been involved. And a lot of people did think that was the case. I think um, I just kind of saw it as in, well, you know, it just hasn't come again, you know, and, you know, I'll keep playing, I'll keep working hard and, and, you know, come back stronger and unfortunately for me that's never really actually happened you know um, I think domestically I've, I've achieved a lot in my career and always been top goal scorer Definitely. no matter where I've gone in the world but internationally for some reason I've never really got a look in but you know Joe that's life you know it's one person's opinion and that's what I look at it I need to respect his opinion Um I obviously wasn't the type of player that he wanted to take to that World Cup and you know, it is what it is. And like you said, it's a bigger picture thing. You know, did I do everything I possibly could to get into that squad? Yes, I did. So I can hold my head up high and, you know, there's nothing more I could have done and it just wasn't meant to be. So, like I said, the people around me supported me and that got me through it.
0: And and that's a really big, because obviously, obviously my level of coaching is a lot lower than, than England, you know, but the the pressure on the flip side of that is the pressure on a coach for who he selects mm-hmm. and I know with my girls as soon as I put a team sheet out my phone I'm never so popular <laughs> yeah. my phone's just buzzing constantly why am I not in the team and so it's it's a real and like you say you you're trying to impress it's one person's point of view or two three coaches however many and and you you've done really well there not to take that to heart and, and sort of beat yourself up, which I'm sure a lot of players would do and have done.
1: And I think it's important as well that in your football career, you know, I've been I've been really fortunate that my domestic football career, I've always played no matter where I've gone. And not many players can say that. You know, a lot of players you know, maybe don't get as much playing time. Whereas I've always been a starter and got 90 minutes in in my whole career. But I do think that it's important that you do get those little knockbacks. And I think on the international side, I know and I know what it tastes like to not be involved or to be a bench player. And I think that's actually made me hungrier um, at club level to make sure that never happens because it is hard, don't get me wrong. And I respect the players in squads that maybe don't start as much or, you know, are probably subs. And it's a tough position to be in. But I do think that not being picked for England and having those knockbacks um, has been good for me. Because, you know, always getting selected, uh, sometimes you can get complacent. Whereas after that kind of knockback, it's actually made me hungrier to always make sure that I'm in the starting team in my club, in my club level.
0: Yeah, and that's to not be complacent that you were going to get that place has probably helped you in the way that you dealt with that. Because if you were like, I'm dead set in here, that that fall is even harder for you to deal with, I'd imagine.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Yeah, I think it's always important as players. And I think the top, top players are never happy with what they're achieving. And, you know, I could look at myself at Melbourne Victory at the minute and, you know, all-time goal-scoring record holder, you know, won the Golden Boot five years in a row, captain of the club. People could probably say that, you know, oh, they know I'm going to play every game and play 90 minutes. But I never, ever have that mentality where I feel like that. I always, every season, when I come back to the W League or wherever I sign, I want to prove myself again. Even if I've done well in that league in the past, you know, every season's a new challenge and new goals are set. And, you know, I think it's so important as a player that you always set yourself those new challenges. Otherwise, you're not going to improve. And I'm not the finished article at all. There's still a lot more that I want to improve on. So... Um, I enjoy that that's why I probably like playing in all these different countries as well because you know you you go to these new (laughs) places and people don't know you and it's a different style you know language barriers just new challenges all the time
0: and it, it keeps it fresh so when when you obviously when if I look trying to bring it to a mental health perspective then so when when that did happen with the 2015 squad um, is that where you use that that sort of network you spoke about earlier? Of Becky, I would imagine if she's anything like my wife, she cops everything from me. <laughs> yeah. So like, all the ups, all the downs, she cops the brunt of it. Like, is that where you use that network of people around you? Yeah,
1: I definitely think Becky's my big one because um, she just puts everything into perspective and she also tells me how it is, not just what I want to hear. So I think whereas someone like my that. dad... I think blessed parents, they always think you're the best in the world. And to be honest, my dad actually is probably more upset with me not getting playing for England as much (laughs) as I have than probably myself. (laughs) He always, even today, he'll be like, oh, you should be in the England team. (laughs) Whereas I'm just like, look, dad, if it's meant to be, it'll be. If not, you know, we carry on and I carry on playing my career and having, you know, a great time. Whereas, yeah, Becky's definitely one, like I said, where she's played the game at the top level and she's a shoulder to cry on, you know, she'll always, you know, be my number one fan and supporter and and tell me that I should be there. But she also then puts things into perspective and says, you know what, we'll keep going, we'll keep achieving things. And, and then the time will come hopefully in the future. And if it doesn't, then you've given you everything.
0: And and that's so much more like all constantly being patted on the back and saying, Oh, it's okay, you're a good girl. Like that kind of thing, it's pointless, yeah, isn't it? Because is. you're never going to strive and drive.
1: Yeah. You know? No, it's very true.
0: Dowie lost the attention of Gail and now on the tight angle. Taking on Morton. It's Dowie! So much to do, and Natasha Dowie bulldozing her way through has opened the scoring for Melbourne victory. Did you feel that? At any point during that sort of fifteen to twenty period, that you you had much anxiety about the pressure to succeed, or or was it? Did you manage to deal with it quite well?
1: Good question. um I think probably till I was about eighteen, nineteen. Like I said to you earlier in the podcast, I didn't properly commit my whole life to it. I think I would go training, yep. but then I probably actually was caught up in the wrong crowd. You know and you have that group of friends that probably like to go out and socialize a bit and party and probably yeah. wasn't until I was yeah till I really met Becky that I actually stopped doing all that and just fully focused on my football and what would make me a fine tuned athlete and what I have to do to be able to play at the top level so I think for me I I played fr- from England under 17s all the way through and that was mainly through my raw talent and a little bit of hard work, but I think yeah. then to get me to the top, then is when the penny just clicks. When I was around 19, um, when I probably went full time with Liverpool, and that's when really I started living like a properly professional football player. Um, and I think then for me, like what you said about the demands, and you know, did did I put demands on myself? Of course I did, you know. And I think any player yeah. is going to, but I think I always dealt with it pretty well. I do think the England side of things was always the toughest because um Hope Power Hope Powell at the time was the England manager and she she wasn't let's say she wasn't my number one fan. Um, you know, sometimes she would say a few things to me that, you know, didn't didn't feel too good. Um but, you know, I think you've got to look at it in as in a lot of people go through these things. And, you know, don't get me wrong, some players are very lucky that they have a very smooth journey in their careers and in on the international stage. Yeah. But I'd be very surprised if I met any professional football player that's just had it smooth and not had some downs and ups. So I think, um, of course, I'm not going to sit here and say that. A few things that coaches have said to me internationally have hurt and probably have been a bit unfair. Um, but then I also think yeah. I've Perfect. just thought, well, do you know what? That's your opinion. I disagree with it. It's not right. I'll keep it in the back of my head and remember that and never forget that you've said that to me and will never ever forgive you for saying that to me and I'll prove you wrong. And I've always had that mentality of, do you know what? Like just, just wait, just watch this space. Yeah. And, and I think I've proved a lot of people wrong.
0: So that's, that's interesting because from the way you're speaking there, like any anxiety or pressure that you may have felt, you kind of, you didn't feel it in that way. You just sort of turned it around and went, do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Yeah. It was much sheer determination. It almost sounds horrible, but almost ignorant to any of the pressure or the ang- or any anxiety that others may have got. You just went, no, I'm going to make this. Yeah. You hit 19, and then I'm making this. Whether you, you know, Hope Powell, whether you think that, or Mark Samson, whether you think that, I'm going to do and this. I
1: think, which yeah. is and I think the big thing for awesome. me as well is, and which I used to hate when people used to say this when I was younger, like if you'd lose a game, well, did you try your best? And i will say yes. And they were like, that's all that matters. I used to hate that saying. But to be honest, <laughs> and I used to be the worst loser done? in the world where if I lost a game, I'd go off, I would cry, I wouldn't shake hands. And there came a point where I thought, I can't be like this anymore. Like I can't be miserable for a week after losing the game. And it came to the point where I thought, you know what? It actually is true what they say. If you honestly have walked off that pitch and given everything that you possibly could have, whether or not on the day it was good enough or not, that is all that matters. And so every single training session I go into, I give everything, you know, I'm there the first, I'm always the first to training. I'm always the last off the pitch. And I think I don't want to look back at my career and have any regrets where I thought I didn't give everything I possibly could because I know how lucky I am to be in this situation. So I'm never, ever going to take it for granted and you're a long time retired. So as, as, as long as I can Man. I'm going to give everything I possibly can and then when I do retire I can look back and think do you know what I had a great career and I gave everything I possibly could
0: things are flying you sort of also need that little bit you may need that grounding as well of oh well well keep going like yes that was a good at trick but next week
1: you've got to go and reproduce it again. Oh my God, 100%. You know? And She's she's definitely the one person that does that for me. You know, my dad, if he had watched me, he'd be like, just basically saying, I was the best player on the pitch. The hat trick was incredible. Whereas I remember, I think it was last season, I scored a hat trick away to Sydney. We won 3-2.
0: Um,
1: and my dad was there, and Becky was there in Australia. And um, my dad grabbed me, hugged me, and just was like, you're incredible, best player on the pitch. Becky's first thing she said was, well done, but what about the chance that you missed in the second half? So she's she's that's where that's where she does keep me grounded. And do you know what? It's different in the men's game because they are superstars and you can't go out the street without being noticed. But you know, oh, you can easily yeah. get carried away in the women's game when you are doing well. And you know, especially as a striker, you're always in the headlines when you're scoring goals. And yeah. you know, nowadays it's you know how many followers you have on Twitter, Instagram, and this and that, and your sponsorship deals, and you're getting like. You know, I've been very fortunate that I got BMW to to look after me when I was in Melbourne this year. And you can sometimes get yeah. a little bit carried away with, God, I'm getting sponsored by New Balance, this and that. But I think it's really important that where Becky used to play, you know, she would have to work full-time as well as play and she never got anything for free. And I think it's really important that you have them people around you that are actually like, remember where you came from? You know, when you first started playing, you were getting yes. about, you know, hundred pounds, maybe fifty quid a game, match fees. Like, don't get carried <laughs> exactly. away, and I it's think that's game. that's really important as well.
0: Yeah, I mean that that was another thing that I, I was going to say. Like, obviously, we're roughly the same age. I would say you you've probably done a bit more with yourself, but we're about the same <laughs> age, and you would have you would have come through the very sort of – probably say it like. When you started playing, wouldn't have been professional at no, all. No, no,
1: not it at all. It would have been a
0: bit weekend like. Whereas now, I, I know Melbourne Victory take it extremely seriously, and like they they you're on full time there. I believe.
1: Yeah. No. Pretty much. Definitely. I think I I'm the perfect example of I've come from not getting paid at all. You know, to travel. I remember when I lived in London and I played for Everton. I would travel three hours. Up to Everton to train, to then drive back three hours. I used to get home at about one a.m., two a.m. in the morning. Then have to go to school. You know, my dad would like meet me at Birmingham halfway to pick me up. So, you know, I've I've been there. You know, as the the young kid that had to clean the older players' boots. And so now I feel like the kids nowadays are spoiled. And I actually think, in a way, it makes them less hungry because they've never had to. You know, they've just basically walked into professional contracts where they're getting paid. Um, so, for me, I'm actually very happy that, you know, I've been through those harder times where, you know, you didn't have all the fancy facilities. So, for me, that I'm, I don't play for them reasons. You know, I've never been a player to play for money. It's always been about, I want to be the best team to win
0: things. And that's that's where football, that's that's the thing that people should have in their mind in any sport, not just football it should be about wanting to play the game and wanting to win their game which is why i love the women's game because there isn't that money that can really turn heads yeah agree. as such like it, it's an okay it's a living but it's not you you can't allow yourself to get so blown away you know and it i much i much prefer it that's just one reason why i like the women's
1: yeah, game yeah no definitely um, why was the soccer field wet on a sunny day because the players dribbled all over it (laughs) But it's normally been my dad and becky who have been my two my two big support systems with regards to football and then my mum probably actually is more of like a best friend where truthfully she's she's <laughs> supportive of me but she used to come and watch me play and would just be reading the newspaper in the stand and kind of really wasn't <laughs> that interested <laughs> yeah
0: that's yeah that probably would be a fairly common you know common scenario yeah I
1: but it's good because you know she <laughs> she takes it light-hearted and it's not so serious and you can actually talk to someone that doesn't just want to talk about football 24-7. You know, my dad will be on the phone to me straight yeah. after a game. What was your goal like? Send me through the highlights. Uh, how did you play? Like, which is great, but sometimes it's nice to just talk about other things.
0: You do, You do need that. You do need to be able to switch off. I mean, I know, again, the level I'm at is a lot lower, but the amount of times my wife will just sort of slap you on the arm and just say just think about something else like let's go and do something else to take your mind off football.
1: Yeah I think it's so you, yeah you
0: need that. I
1: agree. I think it's even harder for coaches. I mean I definitely study my managers and see how much it takes over their life. And it is a 24-7 thing I think when you become a coach and a manager. Whereas I think for a player it's probably a little bit easier for us because you know we go training for two or three hours of the day. But then you know we can go and you know, switch off a little bit, do our yoga, yeah. go and have our coffee, you know, read our books, socialise with friends, whereas with a coach, it's pretty much they've finished the coaching session, but then they have to go back and prepare for, you know, the week session ahead and, you know, it's a lot of pressure, you know, that it's all results-based for them and pretty much their head's on the line, not the players.
0: <laughs> exactly. It's easy to get rid of one coach, not 15, 16 players, yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: But even, even in this scenario now, like, Myself and, and every coach in the, the world probably apart from Belarus because they're still playing, but um, like every coach is trying. How do we keep our teams connected? Yeah, you know, like and so even when there's no football, you know, coaches and probably the more senior players in the squad are having to go through this. How are we going to stay connected when we're not allowed within? We're not allowed outside of our house.
1: Yeah, it's no, you're right.
0: Such a strange, such a strange. Period of time. Um, well, let's let's counteract that then. So, 2015, I'm, I'm going to imagine was one of the the shittest days for, for feelings around sport. Um, I'm going to I'm going to hazard a guess that your best feeling was the first time you stepped foot on a pitch with an England shirt on.
1: Yeah, it definitely was. I remember my under 17s <laughs> debut in Northern Ireland, and my dad came to watch, um, and I scored a half volley from the edge of the box, and. It was incredible. It really was to to play for your country at that level, and then to make eventually my actual senior debut as well. Yeah, it was incredible. It really is. It's, it's you know it's what you train for your whole life, and yeah, I can't really put it into words. I remember getting my first ever England call up. I remember I was in secondary school um, at Roundwood Park, and my mum actually had the letter. Wow. She ran down the school field. Um, with the paper, like, waving it at me, saying, you've <laughs> been picked for the under-17s England. And I just remember crying and just so excited. So, yeah, I remember yeah, every single totally game good. as if it was yesterday. I remember every goal I've scored for England. And like I said, I wish it had been more. Um, but we'll always, always look back at those memories so fondly. And to be able to play in an under-20s World Cup in Chile, to make a European under-19s final um, in Iceland. Yeah, every moment I remember
0: there's some there's some pretty good highs in there and like just forget the the negatives there's some pretty big highs in there to 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 look back on when you when you're 50 60 you know
1: yeah 100% some special really special times yeah. and yeah it is it's i've had like i said my career's been incredible so far i've had really a lot of highs you know some players you know have good careers but don't win a lot or don't achieve a lot and i've been so fortunate so far to to have won a lot in England and obviously Australia and and so on, but for me as well, I'm excited about the future ahead as well and what more I can achieve and what more I can win.
0: Yeah, definitely, and that's that's what that's what proper champion like championship players do, isn't it? Like they're they're not Cristiano Ronaldo, for example, still keeps himself in good nick. Oh yeah, and he's won how many Ballon d'Ors? You know, you've got to still be looking. I'm, I'm reading Roy Keane's book at the moment and uh, the guy was a bit of a nutcase, but he was a born winner and it was always more, more, more. So it sounds like you've got that kind of mentality, you know? I think
1: it is. and want to win, yeah. I I think the top, top players have that in them. I actually watched a documentary on Ronaldo the other day and how he's just obsessed with being number one. And I think for me, maybe yeah. I'm not that kind of mindset as in being number one's not important to me. But for me, it's about, it is the winning thing. Anything I do and sometimes actually it's a little bit annoying that i can't actually do anything just for fun now <laughs> so you know whether it's just you're <laughs> on holiday and you're playing table tennis or i have to win like and if i don't then yeah. i'm not happy whether it's rondos in the warm up and p- people laugh at me and say you know god you're so competitive but i don't know it just is the way it is like <laughs> and i think that's right, probably that's so, yeah, yeah. Why, why i've got to where i have I
0: wish- I wish I could take about 10% of that and bring it into my environment, mate. Be, like, if we want to be, like, we need to be producing players that have that, you know, it's not a it's not a bad trait to have, you know, to be that little bit selfish and want to be on the winning side every week. Yeah. That's, that's why you, you don't turn up to say well done to the other team, do you? No,
1: but it's right. You turn and up that's for where, them to
0: say well done to you. And I
1: think that's where it's so important that you have the right people around you because probably when I was younger, And even when I was probably playing for England's under-19s, 20s, I probably didn't give or really fully commit my life to football. And I think that the top, top players, you know, you do need to be selfish and that's where I'm very lucky. Like I said, I keep going back to Becky, but I can be selfish and live that lifestyle that I need to live to be the best because she understands it. And not a lot of your friends and family get it. Like, you know, you miss out on a lot of things. But for me, I don't really see that as a sacrifice because I wouldn't. I wouldn't put anything over football, except obviously like Becky. But you know, I. I want to. You know, it's always about what I need to do. You know, and you know, she'll. I'll grab a bag of balls and we'll do finishing for two hours in the rain, and she'll be running after balls. But you know, it's. It's. It's obsessed. I'm obsessed with it. You know, I really am. Like I. I if I could kick a ball twenty four seven, I could. Like even now, I'm in the back garden till about nine p.m. at night. And she's like calling me in for dinner and I'm just like, oh, one more hour. <laughs> like, I just love it. Like,
0: it sounds like you're her kid. <laughs> sounds like she's your mum in the end, mate. <laughs> Coming up your dinner. Yeah,
1: then you can go <laughs> out again after.
0: So
1: in 2017, the Professional Footballers Association told the UK News Channel ITV that there have been a threefold increase in the number of current former football players wanting help via counselling networks over mental health issues. Probably playing in England has definitely helped me because I think um, I've noticed the mentality, um, probably actually in Scandinavia and in Australia, that players probably mentally aren't as tough. I think or maybe not as good at taking criticism whereas in England you know when we were younger we'd have coaches you know basically like headbutting walls you know like pretty much like (laughs) not abusing you but letting you know that you know it's not good enough you know you know you know what the English mentality is like here um you know it's tough but for me I love that you know I love that honesty and you know like you said just because I'm a female I don't want you to be you know being soft around me and and worried about making me cry like you need to make me a better player and I think it's a a yeah and I think that definitely it, it, is something it, it, I've noticed playing in Australia is maybe um, players toughness mentally wise maybe not as tough and coaches sometimes I think tiptoe around female players a little bit because they're maybe afraid of upsetting them or you know, have come from the men's game and then yeah. maybe think they have to be different in the female game. But for me, it should just be the same. Yeah. I think for me, as a as an individual that maybe is suffering, you need to go to someone that you trust. Um, and I think yeah, is at, at, at a club level, you're always going to have that, whether it's a teammate or whether it's a coaching staff or a family member. But they go to that one person that you trust um, and that you feel like you can share your struggles with. And then hopefully that player then can put you or person can put you in the right direction. And for me, clubs will always have that support. So I know that at Melbourne Victory, um, the PFA um, support players and have um, individual um, people that specialise in that area that players can go to. And so I, I definitely know that there's players in my team that have used that support system whether it's just for a talk, you know, whether it's not even that they're struggling, but they just want someone else to talk to, you know, a lot of players are away from their family and friends um, and they're just surrounded by their teammates. And sometimes it's actually nice to have, you know, a a person that, you know, isn't around your football environment all the time that you can just have a chat to. So yeah, that would be my main thing is have that one, one or two people that, you know, you can really trust and then allow them to help you and put you in touch with the right people that are, you I know, qualify to, to help you.
0: That was an extremely insightful and detailed interview with Natasha Dowie. It's great to get the perspective of an international standard player of any sport in this onto this podcast. We can't thank her enough for coming on and we hope that you enjoyed it as much as I have. Um, please like and subscribe to the channel see you next time thank you
1: well definitely get, get yourself back to Australia mate come and play for Casey College, <laughs> well I've always got that you, then that's good you, to know <laughs>
0: you, I reckon you could maybe get a game <laughs>